0: The following is a production of 97.9 ESPN Radio, Tallahassee Sports Authority. Lock into your radio dial for 97.9 ESPN Radio's official post game show, Wake Up Knowles. It's time to recap all the action of another Seminole game day with your Seminole insiders, Tom Block and Keith Jones. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. Good morning, everybody. Tom and Keith back with you to
1: dissect the festivities from Raleigh last night. Florida State gets a win, a much-needed win, 24-20 the final score. And I guess stating the obvious, Keith, given the way Florida State has had a tough time at Carter-Finley Stadium, I think most Florida State folks probably were not very confident that that was going to end up being an FSU win the
2: way the game was going and the way uh, NC State had a shot at the end. Uh, you know, I left the game thinking I was disappointed a little bit. I mean, I, I guess I've gotten so old in my thought process that I actually felt better after the game, which was a loss to Clemson, than I did the game against NC State which was a win because I just didn't think they played very well. Uh, I guess that just goes to show uh, I need to retune my thought process a little bit. Uh, It has been so difficult to win in Raleigh. Uh, Jimbo uh, has has struggled up there along with um, Florida State in general under Coach Bowden that uh, I guess I should just be happy with the W and uh, maybe I'll just readjust accordingly.
1: Well, certainly it was was not a Picasso. It was not a work of art, but it was a win and Uh, You hear this from coaches, fans don't necessarily, fans want to see a Picasso, but Never apologize for a win, and Florida State got one. They got bowl eligible, so let's get uh, check that one off. That's 35 straight years that Florida State will be going to a bowl, which is the longest streak out there. Not that that was uh, in question, but nevertheless, you've checked it off.
2: And and I think that's important for a couple of reasons. Number one, the obvious to maintain it. I think Nebraska has the uh, uh, corresponding record at 35 years, but theirs got broken. So should Florida State go to a bowl game in 2017? They'll set the new modern era for that. And number two, it shows and demonstrate to the kids. And, and we talked about this in the pregame. Uh, prior to kick in at North, NC State, you had you had four more times to wear the jersey. Uh, five with a bowl game. That's five more times in 2016. That's got to mean something to you. Uh, you, you've got to you've got to buy into the fact that that's important, and, and the kids did just enough to win in the first of those four regular season games, in trying to finish the year uh, with consecutive wins. I thought again,
1: and we're on the glass half full side right now. Given how emotionally draining and, quite frankly, devastating the Clemson result could have been. Just to to turn the – I mean, look at North Carolina State as an example. They went all in, should have beat Clemson, didn't, and they've just been in a tailspin since then. So I think Florida State does deserve some credit for for winning in a place where they haven't won – uh, with all, or haven't had great success, especially after emotionally draining defeat that they suffered a week ago.
2: Obviously, you're right, and, and some of us that are old school uh, spend way too much time worried about uh, what used to be unbelievably important. Still important somewhat, but unbelievably important in the BCS, that being style points. And in light of other things that uh, happened during the day, both good and bad, relative to top four teams, top five teams, um, you know, sometimes you're just lucky to come out with a win, and you need to just be thankful for that.
1: Yeah. That said, so uh, you know, you and I always have differing. Uh... Uh, Not differing viewpoints, but differing views because you're up top. You get to see the television replays. As we're recording this, I haven't seen the TV replays save for what played on the big board, and I have a little more insight from the sideline maybe. But
2: uh, your general thoughts from above. Uh, A little lackluster on the defensive side. Uh, Of course, you were missing some key elements. Uh, particularly in the first half with Trey Marshall being out. Uh, defense uh, lagged a little bit. Offense, uh, uh, some some issues with protection again. Not uh, that there were sacks against uh, DeAndre, uh, but he got hurried a little bit. And, and I think the biggest thing that jumped out at me, which would be evident whether you're up top or on the bottom, is the drops. I had four that I remember from the receivers in the first half alone. However, you go to the second half, mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of the receivers, some great catches by Nooney Mo- mooney Mooney, uh, a couple great catches by Alden Tate, though he did have the one fumble uh, they kind of redeemed themselves, and again you're seeing those two youngsters get some extended playing time as the season uh, you know goes on so Florida State uh, wins the game they take the lead for the first time
1: with Three minutes to go in the game. How and, about that? Uh, the defense comes up with a stint. This and this is one where the defense did make some nice plays there. At the AJ Westbrook on that third down play, the ball was in the receiver's hands. We've talked a lot this year on this show and on the front row on Wednesday nights about uh, how corners or DBs. Uh, You know, can read the hands or watch the hands of the receiver. He did exactly that on that third down play and then the fourth down play obviously was an overthrow.
2: And that he did and I think when you go back and look at the tape you'll start picking out the things that you did well, that you'll emphasize to the kids that you'll want to continue to work on as you get ready on a little bit of a short week for Boston College. Uh, But there's plenty of things on that tape that you'll look at and you still need to correct. Uh, I thought there was some glaring uh, I sound like Jimbo now, but I thought there was some glaring no calls uh, Against Florida State's defense. A uh, pick play uh, early in the half uh, uh, on the uh, uh, targeting foul that uh, Burns got. Uh, you know, I thought the, the Walker was tackled in the backfield. Should have been an obvious offensive hold. Was not impressed with uh, the overall officiating in the ball game, but we'll save that for a later time and just focus on the good plays by the kids.
1: And we'll focus on the win. Let's listen in to Jimbo Fisher's postgame uh, press uh, comments. Uh, courtesy of Seminoles.com as Florida State gets the win and gets bowl eligible and wins at Carter-Finley Stadium. Here's Jimbo.
3: That was an extremely hard-fought game. We were able to make the play at the end to win the game. Team battled, fought, scratched, clawed. North Carolina State did a great job. I said that going in. They're a good football team. I knew they would come out here guns blazing at home, coming off a three-game losing streak, and I knew they would be tough to play. They always play us well. They did. Very proud of our team, the way we competed in the game, played in the game, persevered, made plays. Defense did one heck of a job on that last stand, making the plays and the things they had to do. Uh, they made a lot of good plays in the game. They were really good on third down, third and long. We were, we have too many third and longs in that game and in some situations. But uh, our defense, we then, then he rose up and made the plays offensively. We got things going. Had a couple drops early that set us down. And then we got the good drive. And in the second half, we had a, a couple little things going. and we Every time we answer up and come back, uh, uh, with what we have but just I think that was a huge win for us and I hope we can continue to build and like I say we learned we learned to make the one we'll play today we learned to make the one we play today and I think again, it's another indicative of how good the league is uh, very good team uh, no matter who you play in this league you better be ready to play it's a tough environment good place to play and, again, some of our young guys just keep getting better and better. DeAndre was outstanding in the game. I hey, Dalvin was really good. We couldn't get him going like we could. But, you know, some of the young receivers, Nooney was really good. Uh, and Tate made some plays. Rudolph had was a heck of a play at the end. Izzo caught balls. I mean, and we did what we had to do. But uh, very proud of him and uh, get ready to go quickly, get play a Friday night game against Boston College.
1: So, Jimbo, obviously uh, pleased to get a win in a place that uh, – and he pointed this out to the team. It's been two decades since Florida State's won back-to-back games at Carter-Finley Stadium. They last did it in 94 and 96, and now they've done it in 2014 and 2016.
2: Well, going into the last night's ball game, Florida State had only won four of the last nine trips there, so they were looking at you know, being at four out of ten. Uh, Jimbo ha- had not uh, fared much better up there in his uh, three prior trips, I guess it was. He was one and two. Uh, so, yes, from a lot of different reasons and for a lot of different reasons, uh, a pretty, pretty, important significant victory for the Seminoles we
1: will uh hear from Erman Lane a little bit later in the show also DeAndre Francois we'll talk defense and offense a couple things when I was looking at the play-by-play and uh I you know you hear Jimbo sometimes talk about uh, how you can play poorly at times but you play situations well and I think last night was an example of that except for third down defense which we'll get to but uh, if, if you look at offense, they were four for four in the red zone, and three of them were touchdowns. And I went through and counted it up, second or third down and three yards to go or less. Despite Florida State's anemic rushing numbers, they were seven for eight in those situations last night. And the one miss was a pass attempt to Nooney Murray where he ran the, the wrong pass route. He ran an out pattern too long. So uh, they were. And, and then defensively, uh, the last five series of the game, they forced three punts. The end of the game on downs, there was one touchdown in there, but they also had, uh, if you want to call it a goal line hold, maybe more than a stand, where it was first and goal at the seven, and C State had to settle for a field goal. And I thought a really big series for them was after the Auden Tate fumble. They, they forced a three and out right there. So, situationally, there were some good things offensively and defensively. I would
2: agree. And you talk about the red zone uh, scoring touchdowns three out of the four times. This is gets an NC State defense, Tommy, that had only given up touchdowns 42% of the time that opponents had gotten into the red zone. So, only about one out of every two uh, were opponents getting seven. They were making opponents settle for those field goals. So, yes, very encouraging. That sudden change off the, the uh, Tate phone Uh, I thought, because I was looking specifically to see what that defense would do. They played a little uninspired prior to then, and you're exactly right. They came in with that ball uh, you know, right right about midfield or inside their territory and made them go three and out and forced a punt. Yeah, so
1: several key situations there. All right, we'll expand upon this uh, as the hour rolls along. I'll remind you that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, you can go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Visit them online at ctf.nu. We will uh, take a break, come back, and uh, dive into the offense first here. Well, no, offense, defense. What do you want to go first? Let's go defense. We'll Let's go, go defense. defense. For Yeah, the offense, you know, sells the popcorn. We'll talk defense here when we come back. Florida
0: State wins at twenty four twenty over NC State. Wake Up Knowles returns next on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by... Cornerstone tool and fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Now, more from Tom Block and Keith Jones.
1: Welcome back. Good morning again. Uh, Tom and Keith back with you. Florida State prevails 24-20 over North Carolina State. All right, we said we'd we'd talk defense first, so just a couple of numbers here. Uh, Erman Lane had 10 tackles in the game. Demarcus Walker had a couple of sacks, continues of, of, there was just two sacks by FSU and he had both of them. Uh, McFadden had an interception. He now has seven on the year, which is most by an FSU defender since Samari roll in 1997. So you talk about going back two decades. That's what you have to do there. And then obviously Brian Burns on the controversial targeting call. Uh, Maybe we can start there, clear that up, and we'll talk because that was part of the last drive. But he'll have to miss the first half against Boston College on Friday. Uh, And this, we talked about this on the front row this week, Keith. Uh, You think by definition, even though it was – Uh, You know, he tried to not hit the guy by definition. You think that was the right
2: call? I I do believe that's the right call. And and part of the reason is the rule talks about a defenseless player. And clearly, when a quarterback goes into the slide, he's deemed a defensive player. The rule says you can't strike them above the shoulders. Now, I've read two different versions or two different interpretations of it. Uh, Probably ought to go back and look at the actual factual uh, wording out of the NCAA. But as I was taught and as I've read it, it means striking above the shoulders with anything. It could be a a helmet. It could be a hand, an elbow, uh, a thigh, or a foot. Uh, in this case, Burns, based on what I saw, uh, made contact above the shoulders with his thigh as he was trying to jump over him. Uh, I've read a, a couple of other things. I'll do a little bit of homework, maybe be a little infor- more informed. Uh, and you, you had pointed out as well that one one reading of the rule says it's the helmet, uh, the elbow, the hand, the arm, doesn't mention the thigh right. or the foot. Uh, that's how... Unusual and how difficult this rule is to interpret and to enforce. Uh, I, I believe that it was the correct call by the definition of the rule. I, I had a quick exchange with Coach Fisher after the ball game and he looked at me with, you know, like I had three heads. Uh, I think the rule has got to be changed. Well, his question was a valid
1: one. He said, What's he supposed to do? He did try to pull up and go over him and because he
2: nicked him, he's going to miss the first half now, this week. I, I do think the rule has got to be changed. Changed not to, to take away uh, the pr- safety of the player or the protection of the player, but there's got to be some way to account for the unusualness that you're going to see from time to time, that particular play being one of them. He, w- he, in our estimation, you and mine, I think we agree on this, was trying to dive over him, The quarterback had gone into the slide, and much like a pop-up slide, uh, if you want to reference back to to baseball, the pop-up slide that you do in the second base where you go into the slide and you pop up, you could argue that the quarterback was popping up out of the slide, and he is the one that actually made contact with Burns. With the crown of his helmet, so it should have been targeting on the quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) That may be a stretch, but I like the way you think. Uh, I think as it exists in 2016, it was the correct call. I think there's work that needs to be done moving forward with the rule.
1: Yeah, so a couple things, and then we'll put this to bed. Uh, first of all, it, this year it was a rule change, or maybe just a point of emphasis. Point of emphasis. That they said, uh, you know, when players go into a slide, that was something they were really going to be focusing on. So that's something that the referees, any league, had circled as something to pay attention to. Second thing, uh, the flag came incredibly late, and if very the, late, if and the, from a, a, a official that was 15 yards away. And from if the, flag. the quarterback had not stayed down for a second, if he had just continued to get up, there would have been no flag. I truly believe that. When the when the quarterback came up and went back down to the ground, all
2: of a sudden the flag came in. I, I think you're correct, and and again that human component. Which you always have when you have human officials, you know. We got to find a way, our best way, to reduce the likelihood of uh, of error in that judgment. Yeah, we'll leave this here.
1: So the last drive overall, it continues. That was one play Uh, between that and the
2: penalty. You're already at midfield. And let's not forget that the Marcus Walker was held on that play, and there was no flag. He was mugged on that play. (laughs) So that was that. I mean,
1: he was. It was a takedown. It was a wrestling move, right? Uh, But NC State moves. Uh, you know, gets another first down or two, and is in position, and that's when Florida State's defense stiffened. We talk about the AJ Westbrook play, but that was a good stand there, obviously, at the end of the game but preserve the
2: win. And let's remember, although you know our fans don't like to talk about it, what, what's happened in the A.C. over the last five or ten years is, is some of these teams that uh, you would think uh, Florida State should have commanding uh, leads on all throughout the game should win handedly, you know, they've got great players, too. Uh, I thought Finley showed himself extremely well. He's the transfer from Boise State. Uh, he was 25 of 41 in the contest for three 304 yards uh, and a touchdown. Uh, he ran the ran the ball 12 times. Didn't net a lot of yardage, but but had a, a couple of effective first downs. And I was very impressed with their running back days. People forget that he had had five. 1,000 yard, excuse me, 100 yard rushing days in five of the six previous games up until this slide they had. Well, he had 104 yards on 23 carries. That's four and a half yards a tote. Uh, He showed himself very well, and uh, they've got a dynamic player in that Samuels kid. I think if you've studied the tape, he probably lined up in just about every position, including guard and tackle, uh, and made some plays for them. So don't don't underestimate uh, the fact that NC State, though not known for their offense, had some key players that could do some damage and they made Florida State pay occasionally
1: well a key player for Florida State uh, very key I can only imagine what this would have looked like defensively if Erman Lane had not switched from receiver because uh, three-fifths of the starting secondary for Florida State if you consider the the base defense to be with the star position has not been playing. Derwin James is out. Nate Andrews is out. And Trey Marshall missed not just the first half but the full game because uh, he was only ineligible for the first half, but he didn't clear concussion protocol. Uh, and uh, I think he was close, but he didn't clear. Bottom line, they're playing a lot of guys they didn't expect to be playing. Uh, Erman Lane, though, had ten tackles. And uh, let's listen in. I had a chance to talk to him after the game to his comments uh, as he had ten tackles in the win. First of all, uh, before we, we go through this game, you know, you, you had such a heartbreaking defeat a week ago
4: and it's been a tough season so to be on the right side of one of these how's it feel right now? Oh I feel good bouncing back from a loss last week we, we had to fight to the end as we and pull out the victory.
1: Tell me a little bit about uh, what a challenge it's been for you uh, in terms of not having Trey I mean Nate's out Derwin's out you're new on that side of the ball so I mean there's there's
4: new faces playing back there. Oh man I had to um, step up and be the leader tonight I had to make all the calls I had to get everybody um, in the right place but if I continue to work, I think I'll be a good um, DB for FSG. Yeah. Yeah, can you, uh, obviously
1: you were frustrated or disappointed that you weren't getting the playing time at receiver. So how long were you kind of in your mind thinking maybe
4: I'll make the switch and, and what ultimately led to your decision to say, hey, I'd like to give it a try on the other side of the ball? Uh, what made me make the switch was at the Louisville game when I seen that we were struggling at um, on defense and that um, I will not get no playing time on offense. And then I text Coach Dawson was like, I think I can help the defense out. And he told me it's whatever I want to do. And he was going to talk to Jimbo and Jimbo approved it. And that's what... How much defense did you play in high school? The, uh, I played um, defense every year in high school, the free safety position, and then they moved me to the corner sometime. Tell me a little bit about uh, tonight's effort. I mean, it seemed like if you counted up the plays, you guys won a lot more of them than you lost, but third down was a struggle to get them off the field tonight. Uh, we just got to execute. We're we getting them the third and long. We just got to get them off the field on third down. It's just like the little mistakes that we can um, fix in practice. Yeah, and walk me through that last drive. I mean, they get, the, they get the ball, and boom, one play and a penalty later, they're already at midfield. Oh, man, we just kept telling each other. We just got to fight to the end, keep chopping. You uh, know, A.J. Westbrook made a good play on um, third down, and then fourth down he threw it out of the bounce, and that was the game.
1: Again, uh, we've, we've given Ehrman his praise this year, K.J., but uh, he really has become more
2: and more vocal and has had to become the leader of that backfield. One of the things that happened, uh, has happened to Ehrman is he's come on strong early on. Uh, he, he made some great plays last night up in Raleigh. But, Tom, he had a couple of busts, too. He had a couple of missed tackles. Uh, had one particular play where he took an outside angle, which he would should have taken an inside angle on a touchdown. Point being, he's still learning that position. And despite the fact that he doesn't know it very well, and he's still learning it, he's able to make plays. And I think that just speaks to his general uh, ability to be a good football player, paying attention in the film room, paying attention on the practice field. I mean, he's just the – is this the third or the fourth game he's even played at safety? Well, the Miami game was the first, so I guess this is his fourth game. And, and he's making plays, making mistakes, but also making plays. And you're exactly right. Given the, given the injuries and given the suspension and issues like that, then uh, it would have been very hard for Florida State to do much better. Uh, than they 've been able to do Florida
1: state uh, wins at twenty four to twenty what 's your thoughts on uh, a j Westbrook because uh, he Early this season was not ready, uh, and, and that was the Louisville game really when he was pressed into action, struggled a little bit against USF. It seems like he's found his sea legs a little bit.
2: One of the things I think A.J. has done is he's gotten the, the uh, confidence back that, that uh, Coach Kelly once had with him that, that they didn't have in him when he was forced into duty. In other words, he's worked himself back into the coaches being comfortable playing him. I thought he flashed some and made some nice plays as well.
1: Just looking through the rest of my notes here as we finish up here, uh, zero points in the fourth quarter—a dramatic difference from a week ago when the Knowles allowed 17 to Clemson. And let's go back to McFadden, Keith. Again, he—you uh, he, know—early on in this season, he was sort of the—he uh, took the brunt of the blame for the defensive woes, uh, and he—he he got burned at USF, and he was the one that committed the pass interference that led to North Carolina's game-winning field goal. That said, he's got seven picks, and uh, he, it
2: looks like he's gone from inconsistent to a little more consistent. That's the key. He's been more consistent. I think that has to do with getting reps and playing. Uh, he was the victim of a pick play on one of the The, the long first games. touchdown, yep. yeah. And uh, you go back and look at that. Number 87, the tight end for, for uh, NC State, clearly goes after him and actually pushes him out of the way. When people look at the tape, they're going to think that it's Thomas on a busted coverage or gets behind the receiver. Thomas was just trying to cover, period. Uh, Tavares was supposed to be on him, got picked, and that's how he got open. Again, a no-call by the officials. Uh, But his consistency has been what has allowed him to uh, not be the victim of those types of uh, things uh, as were the case early in the year. So Florida State uh, defensively
1: holds NC State to 20, gets the win 24-20. We'll flip the script, talk offense when we come back. Stay with us as uh, we're only halfway
0: through. Wake Up Knowles returns next on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Now, more from Tom Block and Keith Jones.
1: Time to talk offense, and Florida State uh, gets it done when the game is on the line with a 19 yard touchdown pass from DeAndre Francois to to Travis Rudolph. And, you know, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good because Francois had thrown an interception on the previous play and it was dropped in the end zone. And he has not put a lot of balls in harm's way this year. I mean, his interception totals are low. Uh, But that was one that he
2: clearly got away with, and then he made NC State pay on the next play. Sometimes you just got to have that good fortune. That's the way it goes. Uh, Yes, DeAndre missed a few throws. Uh, There were a couple of throws that you'll go back uh, and fans will look at and say that he underthrew or didn't throw the right spot. It was actually the receiver's uh, fault. But that touchdown pass to Rudolph was was sweet. Uh, Very well executed. Uh, I thought they did a, a little better job, protected him. He did take some shots. I think There was only one official sack recorded uh, against the Florida State offense. Of course, they were playing without Dickinson at the the right guard position. He's out for the year. Wilson Bell got the start. Plenty of experience, but obviously there's a reason Landon was playing ahead of him uh, prior to the injury. Uh, I think Jimbo did a good job, too. It it appeared to me that there were a few situations where uh, in the two tight end set, uh, or in some cases where he had two backs in the backfield, it was clear that he was trying to offer some more maximum protection. Uh, Dalvin missed one, one particular uh, time that uh, Francois took a hit, but uh, with with everything Dalvin does, we'll give him a pass on that. A better job of protecting him, uh, but DeAndre, as we talked, both in the pregame and and, and you mentioned uh, at least one time that I recall from the sideline, you still got to, to enforce with DeAndre to have that clock in his head that mental clock in his head and let him get that ball out of there uh, because some of those prior sacks are also on him for not getting the ball out quick enough.
1: uh, It looked to me, and I don't chart it and I look at different things uh, when I'm on the sideline, but it didn't seem like NC State blitzed a lot. It seemed like they just... It looked to me like their plan was our defensive line is going to be good enough to beat FSU's offensive line and get to Francois and we'll put seven guys in coverage. And it turns out
2: uh, that that gamble failed for him. It did. Uh, they would bring a uh, heat occasionally, but unlike Clemson, the week before, would they bring two or sometimes three extra people? Uh, normally NC State, the Wolfpack, would just bring one. So when they did blitz, it was five-on-five or five-on-six if the back was in there. So, yes, I thought that uh, schematically it lent itself uh, to the offensive line doing a little better job, and I think the offensive line did do that job in a little better way. Still work to do, still work ahead. Uh, Coach Fisher's favorite phrase for that OL is uh, work in progress, uh, but, but better. And, and, and the slide, the scope, the, the, the line is on an upward momentum in terms of their improvement. You know, we still have these
1: slow starts to talk about, Keith, and I broke down these numbers. So DeAndre in the first half, and you mentioned the drops, 7 of 17 for 102 yards. In the second half, 15 of 22 for 228 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and I don't want to pin the slow starts just on him, but it does feel like... He has to ease into the game a little
2: bit before he gets more comfortable to let it go. You know, one of the things that, that I've thought about, and, and I'm sure Jimbo and, and, and Coach Sanders has as well, you know, they script the first 15 plays of every game. They do deviate from them when they need to. The quarterback can check out of things uh, once he gets to the line of scrimmage. if it's obvious that uh, the play is not the, the correct uh, play or the correct uh, side. Uh, but one of the things that maybe needs to be talked about and discussed by the staff is is how can they get DeAndre to throw some earlier passes earlier in that 15 play sequence to get him started. Yeah. Maybe that's a thing that needs to be looked at with DeAndre in particular. Uh, you know, try to get him off of that even keel. That's one of the great things about DeAndre. He doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, uh, picks himself off every, up every time he gets knocked down. But maybe there need to be some some thought given to how do we create some passing attempts from him early on, kind of like you're building that confidence for a first-game starter, even though he's be, he'll be starting game 9, 10, whatever it is. But maybe maybe the play calling can help get him started a little quicker if some attention's given to it let's listen in to his
1: comments uh, after the game I had a chance to catch up with DeAndre Francois by the way he finished 22 for 39 330 yards one touchdown no interceptions was sacked once here is your Florida State quarterback DeAndre after uh, you know such a heartbreaking setback a week
4: ago against Clemson, to finish one off uh, tonight the way it did how's it feel feel good um, you know bounce back. Uh, get back on track and try to finish the season strong tell me about the touchdown to travis rudolph that was the first lead of the game and uh what was the play call and and uh i'm, I'm sure i was standing right there it looked like it opened up pretty early in that route um he just had a post route on the outside and, and um, a double move on the inside and uh I try to hold it as long as I can, try to get by time because they had a blitz coming. Um, But uh, I couldn't hold it no more because they had a blitz coming and I put some air under it and let Travis run under it and he caught it and it was a great catch. It's obviously disappointing uh, that, that Bobo's been out, but it's opened
1: up uh, opportunities for somebody like uh Nooney who had nine catches today. Tell me a little bit about uh, you know how much you have to work to maybe get some new receivers, get chemistry with new receivers that you haven't worked with as much.
4: Um, you know all the receivers are great receivers. Um, you know I have chemistry with all of them just through practice. And uh, now that Bobo's out, you know, it's opening doors for Nooney and he's a very explosive receiver and he's stepping up, making big time catches and you know doing everything he needs to do to make our offense successful. How tough was it this week to turn the page emotionally and get refocused after just leaving so much on the field against Clemson? Um, You know, it's always tough when uh, you lose against a great team like Clemson. Uh, But we stayed mentally tough during the week, Um, got back to work on Monday, and um, we just focused on practicing well and fixing our mistakes that we made in that game so we can come into this game with the right mindsets and not making the same mistakes. The offensive line has uh, come under some
1: some scrutiny this year, uh, but it seemed like they kept you pretty clean tonight. And you had a new starter in there, and Wilson was actually an old
4: starter because he started last year. But uh, you know, it seemed like they did a pretty good job for you tonight up front. The O-line did really well. Um, you know, I'm gonna get hit. You know, it's football. That's a part of the game. Um, no quarterback is just gonna go untouched. But the line did really well tonight, and you know they're stepping up and just doing their job, just like Coach Trickett and Coach um, Fisher asked them to.
1: Congratulations on the win tonight. Thank you. One thing that has surprised me the last couple of weeks uh, is the fact that uh, Jimbo has not run DeAndre very much. Are you surprised by that? I don't, uh, you know, we see it all over the college game, and I'm not an advocate saying that he needs to run 15 or 20 times a game, but I am surprised that he's not running a couple times a game.
2: I I agree with you. I I think part of the uh, reason for that is Dalvin, uh, because you know that if you hand the ball to four, Uh, You got a better chance of him going the distance than if 12 tucks it. Uh, I, I think that might play into it. And I think uh, the the physical beating that DeAndre's taken, right, wrong, or indifferent, and whether Jimbo would have admit this uh, publicly, you know, he's trying to protect his quarterback a little bit. Uh, he knows if he drops back and throws the ball 39 or 40 times, he's going to get a hit a few times. Why do I want to add to that by asking him to run at five or six or seven? Certainly you don't want to go back to running the read option every other play like a Deshaun Watson or uh, the Thomas kid from from Louisville. Uh, uh, but it, it's it's something that, uh, you know, needs to be filtered in somehow. Not sure what the motivation is, but I could understand why it might be there.
1: All right, we'll leave that one there for now because we need to talk about Nooney Murray, who's now played two really good games in a row. Nine catches, 153 yards. Now, there are some ups and downs, uh, which explains why he hadn't been playing a lot until he got this opportunity, but let's just focus on uh, what he's able
2: to He seems to be a pretty dynamic receiver. He's got good hands. Uh, he's got some, some wiggle, got some moves. Uh, we've talked about this, but just to repeat it for maybe some of our listeners that hadn't heard, the reason he hadn't seen the field is because he, he really didn't know the playbook well, and he wasn't real good at the after-snap reads. Uh, Jimbo's offense requires the receivers to adjust their routes based on where corners and safeties get positioned, whether it's uh, zone or man coverage, and, and he had not had to do that previously. So he was learning how to do that and learning to be consistent in doing that. Had a great week of practice leading up to the Clemson game. And to Jimbo's credit, when, uh, when uh, who went out with the, with the foot injury? Bobo. Uh, when Bobo went out with the foot injury, during the Clemson week, Jimbo pulled Nooney to the side privately and said, Look, you've got to step up step up your game. Not your game on Saturday. You've got to step up your game on Monday and Tuesday right. and Wednesday and Thursday. Or I can't use you. Dulcy and I are not gonna have confidence to use you if you don't show us that you're learning and doing things in practice that will then transition into the game. And to Nooney's credit, He took that challenge, he's accepted it, and he's excelled at it. You know, so the one mistake he made, well, he had a drop in the first half, uh,
1: I think. But uh, in the second half, and this at the time was pretty critical, it was a uh, it was a third down pass play, third and five. Uh, he was supposed to run an eight-yard out. He ran a 12-yard out. It's a ball that DeAndre Francois looked like he short-hopped it and threw it short. That was on the receiver, not on the quarterback. And, and Jimbo was was all over him. Go ahead, jump in. Well,
2: that's, that's the exact problem. Yeah. Those were the mistakes that he was making in practice that led Jimbo and Dawsey to say we can't use him in the game. So in that particular case, he back, reverted back to old ways. Let's be clear, because I know the predominant number, the predominant majority of the people that watched it on, the, on on TV thought that DeAndre short-hopped it because he had a guy zeroing in on him unblocked, and he threw the ball off of his back foot, because that's what I thought Right. Until Jimbo and I talked or I heard Jimbo talking after the game because that's exactly what it looked like because that ball hopped up to Nooney, he slides. Right. You know, but he wasn't where he was supposed to be. DeAndre threw where he was supposed to be. He ran the wrong route. Those are the things that if you don't know what the call sheet says or you don't listen to the after-game comments, you may think it's one player's problem and it's really the other's
1: quick thought on Dalvin Cook and then we'll finish up this segment Uh, he finishes with just 65 yards 3.6 yards per carry which is about what NC State was allowing they're very good against the run did think it was interesting that uh, again this goes to the offense first half uh, he was 11 carries for 29 yards so that's less than three yards per carry second half he was seven carries for 36 yards and a touchdown which is more than five yards per carry not great by Dalvin standards but Nevertheless, the offense, for whatever reason, whether it's halftime adjustments, whether it's the, the coaches settling the team down, just played better
2: football offensively in the second half. And it was obvious that, that NC State was going to keep... Dalvin Cook from hurting them. They'd walk the safeties up. They'd widen the linebackers and squeeze down with their interior tackles. I mean, they played they played a nose tackle most of the game, right on top of, of uh, the center. Uh, they were not going to let Cook hurt them with his legs. This is probably the worst game I've saw I've seen Delvin have in terms of negative yards. Uh, of those uh, what uh, 18 carries, uh, he probably had six, five or six of them that were negative yards plays, and obviously that hurts the total and the and the average uh, the the thing that 's interesting is we 'll sit here and look at the numbers eighteen carries for sixty five yards in the touchdown and we'll go gosh he wasn 't very good well he he was he was okay to good he just wasn't his normal great it 's our expectations that we have to be careful about yeah well, and he got in the end zone when he got the touch
1: inside and, and that was big obviously all right it also sets it up so that he can set the all time uh, rushing record at home if he goes for about his per game average against boston college on friday we'll talk about that uh, on the front row on wednesday we'll step aside come back with some final
0: thoughts after florida state's 24 20 win over nc state wake up Knowles returns next on 97.9 espn radio wake up Knowles is brought to you by cornerstone tool and fastener serving the big bend area since 1995 now more from tom block and keith jones
1: Some final thoughts here from uh, Keith and I as uh, we wrap up this North Carolina State victory, and I'll remind you that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Visit them online at ctf.nu. Other thoughts, uh, things that we have not discussed uh, that resonate from last night, Keith? I'm
2: still waiting for uh, uh, Nooney to have an opportunity to return a punt. Uh, It's been very good coverage the last couple of weeks out, and he's been fair catching. Uh, I thought Florida State did a, a much better job in their kickoff return. Uh, 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 kickoff returns during the ball game. I had a couple of drives that started at 30-35. Uh, one drive, I think the uh, NC State kicker kicked it out of bounds. It started at 35 because of the penalty. Uh, so special teams, I thought, were good enough to win. Uh, I, I'm just really interested to see how how... You know, if they if they decide to do some play call changes, if they decide to shift the offensive line again a little bit, what can be done to get things on a, on a quicker start earlier in the ball game? I think that's the one glaring piece right now. Uh, you're fortunate that you've got Boston College coming up. Uh, it's a, a game you're favored in. Uh, you should be able to handle uh, well. Uh, you're a little bit handicapped because it's a short week. You're playing them on a Friday night instead of a Saturday, but it would be nice and comforting. Uh, at least for me, to see this Florida State team come out and jump out to a seven nothing, fourteen nothing lead, and not wait till three minutes left in the ball game to actually lead the ball game before they win it, like they did last night. Of course, as uh, you say that, I
1: think two years ago it took a as the clock expired game-winning kick from Roberto Aguayo to beat Boston College twenty to seventeen. But this is this is an interesting. Um, set up this week because Florida State hasn't played a Friday night game in forever it's Veterans Day holiday uh, they were willing to do it they're gonna uh, salute have military day salute veterans and, and talk about Florida State and it's its efforts to be the most veteran friendly campus in the country uh, but it is it is unique and and hopefully there's a big crowd and people embrace the idea because it's not going to be an every year thing but it is here this year
2: well and you got you got women's basketball uh, tipping uh, Friday afternoon early before the game you got the men's game uh, tipping and Saturday after the game, uh, you would hope that folks would take advantage of uh, at least one or both of those opportunities to see those other sports as they get started. Uh, It's a good time for Florida State. As you mentioned, uh, we don't say enough about what, uh, A, our veterans do for us. Uh, We take them for granted. That's our fault. Uh, And secondly, Florida State has has done phenomenal things and try to become that uh, most military-favored campus uh, in in terms of their outreach, their programs, uh, and the things that they do to try to help both uh, the military personnel that are starting their careers uh, and those that are coming back after their service. Uh, And I think it's kind of neat that, uh, you know, it falls on a Friday. uh, School will be closed, so University Center is available and open. Uh, It'll be nice to see a big crowd and us have the opportunity collectively, corporately, to thank our veterans for what they do in their service to this country. And hopefully, uh, just
1: and I echo those sentiments, hopefully we get to see Dalvin Cook set the all-time rushing record at home, too. Well, you know,
2: with his first carry last night, he went ahead of Greg Allen right. into the number two position all-time. I don't have the exact yardage, 3,800 and something. Uh, Warwick's at 39 and some change. Uh, So I think uh, Cook's 125, 130, 135. Forgive me for not having the math up to date, but you know a buck, buck and a quarter, buck 30 uh, to break the all-time record, and Uh, about a buck 70 from getting to 4,000 career. Also correct. So it'd be nice to see one or both of those at home uh, in a setting like this. Uh, I thought some of Dalvin's comments last week uh, almost brought tears to my eyes. You just don't think that a 20, 21 year old. would either know enough about Warwick Dunn, uh, because Warwick's 20 years ago almost now, uh, and secondly uh, would say some of the things that Dalvin said about Warwick, in terms of it 's just an honor to be considered and spoken of if I've, i'm paraphrasing a little bit to be spoken of in the same breath as Warwick, uh, and it 's also a tribute to Dalvin to remember that Warwick did it in three years, and dalvin's doing it in two uh, excuse me Warwick did it in four years, and dalvin's doing it in three, if, if my numbers are correct, uh, and so uh, hats off to Dalvin for what he 's accomplishing it 's a great one two story to talk about. Another story that I know will get some legs this week because I
1: saw some social media activity about it. Derwin James was not dressed out last night, but uh, he was there in sweats, continues to be a vocal leader, but was doing some of the pregame drills, which means that media got a chance to look at him and see how he was moving, how he was cutting. I think he's getting closer, and I'm sure Jimbo will be asked that. I'm not guaranteeing that he's going to play, but I think we're closer to that. Uh, So we'll see, but I'm sure that'll be talked about this week. Uh, I don't know. This is this is speculation. My understanding is that Trey Marshall was,
2: for lack of a better term, close right there on the concussion protocol. And that's the other thing people don't understand on the hit that he delivered, that got him the targeting call. He was concussed. I mean, right. That, that's another whole part we don't have time to talk about about this this targeting thing. It, you know, uh, I always teasingly said that in high school I was a quarterback. And, and I didn't like that, so in uh, college I went to be a defensive back because uh, it was better to be a hitter than a hit-tee. Uh Well, sometimes the hitter uh, hurts himself as well, so that's the reason you didn't see Trey in the second half. Uh, but, yes, I, I think you're, you're exactly right. Hopefully he'll be ready to go. He's such a big part of that secondary in terms of their calls, getting people in the right places, and their communication, that when he's not there, his absence is obvious. Well,
1: it meant two things last night. I meant Kyle Myers had to be the the star position the whole game, and n c State took advantage of that a little bit uh, with he was playing eight, ten yards off at times, and they they were completing passes easily. It also meant that Calvin Bruton was back there at safety when they were in uh, in their dime package, i guess but Again, we'll get back to that uh, as we as this week draws closer. But I do think we'll see Trey this week. I'm trying to think of other things as we just wrap things up, Keith. The biggest thing is just that Florida State got a win and got back on track. I know this season hasn't unfolded the way FSU or its fans wanted it to. Uh, but that doesn't mean you just pack it in. you got to keep playing. As you said, you only had five opportunities to put on the pads uh, and the jersey again going in last night. Now you're down to four, and one of them's on Friday night. Be a big audience watching. You've got to take advantage
2: of it. When we talk about the dynasty, uh, the 14 years of top four finishes, 10 wins uh, during 14 years, you know, we forget there was a couple years that Florida State started 0-2. Uh, There were some years where there was a wide right involved. Uh, There were some years where you lost to the Gators in a national championship game. There was some disappointment. Well, 16's been disappointing, but we can still get the 10 wins, and we can still do some good things, and we can play in that 35th bowl game.
1: A final reminder for you folks, uh, subscribe to The Front Row on iTunes. It's the show that Keith and I do every Wednesday at 6 right here. Once you subscribe, you'll also get uh, Wake Up Knolls as part of that feed, and you can enjoy this show each and every Sunday. And if you like
2: Wake wake Up Knolls,
1: you can get Primetime Knowles. That's right which, as we've already let the secret out of the bag, is the same exact show with a different name that airs uh, on Sundays as well at 7 p.m. All right, we're done here. Uh, it's the middle of the night, and uh, we're babbling now, Keith, so I'll say goodbye, and I'll see you on Wednesday. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Knowles Win 2420.